It's Radio Free 501C, the podcast of Rogue Tulips Consulting. I'm Cecilia Sup, your host. This week, my guest is Amanda Kaiser, and she's here to talk about her book, Elevating Engagement, Uncommon Strategies for Creating a Thriving Member Community. Our topic, Elevating Member Engagement. Welcome to episode 182. Hey, everybody, it's Monday, February 6th, and that means it's time for another episode of the Rogue Tulis podcast. Why do I intro it that way this week? Because we have evolved our branding to a new name. We're no longer Nonprofit Conversations. Starting today, we're Radio Free 501C, the voice of Rogue Tulips Consulting. Same great content, better name. Hope you agree with us. This week, we're so excited to kick off our new branding with Amanda Kaiser, who has a new book coming out called Elevating Engagement, and it's all about improving the member experience within membership associations. Thank you, Amanda. And that is a great segue into Amanda. Welcome to the show. But before we jump into the topic, I would like to say good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to our global audience. And thank you for joining us. And to everyone who listens, please remember to subscribe so you don't miss an exciting episode. Now back to Amanda Kaiser. She's going to show us her book again, which is coming out on Valentine's Day, February 14th. So this is a great preview of this wonderful new book that I was also lucky to get an advanced copy of. So Amanda, please say hello to our audience and tell us a little about yourself. Hey, everybody. It's so it's so great to be here, Cecilia. Thank you so much. Yeah, so I am a member engagement strategist. I've conducted, oh, at this point, 477 uh, interviews, hour-long qualitative interviews with members. And I took that information plus tons of experiments and speaking and talking to executive directors and you know uh chapter leaders and i and i packed it all into this book and the book is well it's called elevating engagement uncommon strategies for creating a thriving member community and and the idea is that engagement is changing and and so now that we know that the nature of engagement is changing for members how do we associations meet that new challenge? And uh, and that's why I wrote that book. I'm I'm super excited to be talking with you because because it's publishing soon, so it's it's going to be out there in the world very very soon. That's great. And we do want to say uh, this would be a wonderful Valentine's Day gift for any chief staff executive, uh, any uh, senior volunteer leaders, your membership director, your whole membership department. Uh, read it, share it, talk about it, because Amanda's book does really break it down and, and make us realize, wow, you know, engagement is something we can do and do well. And especially if you look at page 12, there's a wonderful chart about the different steps into creating that thriving member engagement. So Amanda, could you walk us through your steps a little bit? Like, where did you, you know, where do you start? Where does it end up? And how does it turn into this wonderful experience? Yeah, absolutely. So through the research, I've identified the six, six steps of the member journey. So the first step is observe. So new members join and the very first thing that they do is they start taking everything in. They're looking at your website, they're reading your emails, maybe they watch a webinar or they look at a little video or they read an article. And, um, and so they're just kind of, they're, they're taking all of that information in. The second step is assess. And so assess is uh, it's it's a very emotional kind of thing. So they're look they've looked at all of your stuff that so far, and they're and they're starting to make this 
uh, assessment about, you know, is this association filled with people like me? Is this a place that I feel like I'm eventually going to be able to belong? Are my people here? Will I be proud to be a member of something of an association like this or a community like this? Uh, you know, am I going to feel that sense of belonging? So, so that's that's the assess stage. The next stage is participate. So, so they they've sort of said, I, I, you know, I'm very hopeful that this is the place that I want to be. And at some point, they get the opportunity to, to dip their toe in. So maybe they um, they comment on a post, or maybe they comment on an article, or maybe they write a little note in the chat during a virtual event, or maybe they. Um, they say something in your online community. So that's participate. The next is contribute. So, so participating went really well. They've been doing it for a while. And now they're thinking, oh, uh, I have something to say. Maybe I want to write or speak or be interviewed. It's, it's you know, they're bringing more of themselves to the community, more of their thoughts. Uh, but it's also a little riskier, right? Because when you're writing and speaking, you're, you're putting more of yourself on the line and, and you're hoping that your association people catch you. Uh, let's see, fifth is collaborate. So this is one stage that I would love to see a lot more associations really embrace. And that is, as you climb your in your career, and, and you might have seen this in your own career, Cecilia, as you as you move up into your in your career, your the your professional problems become sort of like bigger, hairier, some of them are like non solvable problems. And I know you help associations solve solve problems. And, um, and at, at some point you say to yourself, you know, I've got these seemingly unsolvable problems, like there's consolidation or there's government regulations, or there's, you know, there's these big things and I'd love to collaborate with other people on this. And so, so that's the fifth stage. And then finally, uh, in terms of the member journey, there's the lead stage. And we think of that as volunteerism. You know, we're, we're a chapter leader, a, a volunteer leader, a board, board leader. Um, and, and, uh, and that's changing a lot. <laughs> uh, and so I talk about, you know, how do we, how do we get people to engage in leadership opportunities when the nature of the way that they want to engage is changing? That's right. Well, and oh my gosh, so many questions come to mind <laughs> based on that. First, of all, I love your outline because I love it when someone like yourself takes all that information and streamlines it so it's easy to understand and digest because all those steps, I was looking at them and I'm like, you know, this, this is accurate. This is right on point. Uh, my whole career, this is kind of how you get people in. Uh, some people may not remember this. I mean, I've been in the profession for many years. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I used to be a volunteer relations director. Basically, I worked with chapters and SIGs and national committees and, you know, helping people get involved in the organization. And I sometimes like to joke around about I invented micro volunteering in the 90s, but I didn't give it a name because maybe if I would have, I would be rich by now. That's <laughs> but right. I remind people of micro volunteering. And I think a lot of times we've just kind of absorbed that into our thought process. Like, oh, let's have lots of little easy things to do. But I think if you're talking to somebody who's a newer member and, and they're like, well, I want to get involved, but you know, I don't have that much time. And you mentioned micro volunteering. They're like, oh, micro, I can do that. And so I think presenting all those opportunities, like you've said, and watching the way people do very slowly come into the organization. Uh, you And you really have to communicate well with people, I think. Uh, so did you learn anything in your research about 
uh, positive and negative effects of not communicating well with an interested member who could potentially be a volunteer. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So, so one thing that I would love to direct your listeners to is the new member onboarding, uh, sorry, new member engagement study. So the new member engagement study is a piece of research that I conducted with my partner's dynamic benchmarking. And we've been doing this for the last four years. So we did the first one in 2018. We just did one uh, in 22. And, um, and so it's all about how associations successfully onboard new members and why that's so important. And, and I could go through the data at nauseum, but the, <laughs> but the, the, the highlights are that uh, so having an onboarding program, reaching your members super early. So, you know, within three days to three weeks after they join, you are, uh, you're reaching them with, um, you know, emails, maybe phone calls. There's, there's 15 different tactics that we actually studied. That communication is absolutely paramount. And, and we can see it play out in our results that, uh, the associations that, that have a plan that are doing something that are, you know, communicating, just like you said, they have far better renewal rates one and two years later than the associations that don't do that. So communication absolutely is super important. But you you asked that question about volunteering as it relates to new members. So this this is some one of my favorite uh, conversations. It's it's sorry I should say not one of my favorite, but it's a very funny conversation that I have had <laughs> in the interviews, and that is. Um, so every not even this is pretty common actually of chapters especially so i'll get somebody on the phone who is a chapter uh in a chapter and um and they'll say you know i really like my chapter but the one thing that that kind of put me off when i was a brand new member i went to my very first chapter event and i walked in and in a few people introduced themselves to me which was great but before i knew it some board members were already talking to me about stepping up and being on the board. Now, I had just joined the association. I didn't know anything about the association. I barely knew anything about the chapter and I had just arrived at the meeting. So I hadn't even gotten through a, a meeting and already they're badgering me about leadership. And <laughs> some of the chapters, you know, I think the, the, they're, people have been volunteering and, and giving themselves of themselves for so long, they're, they're, they're ready to roll off. And when they see a new member, they're excited because maybe this person will, will step up. But, right. um, but new members feel especially put off by that kind of conversation. And, and so I think you're, you're right. Let them come in, uh, get their footing, understand what the association's about, try, try to, you know, make sure that, you're giving them many pleasant experiences and introducing them to other people and connecting with them and 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 find out what their needs are and, and helping those needs get met before you talk about any significant volunteering opportunity. But if there's a little volunteering opportunity like, hey, you've been to one meeting, would you like us to help us, um, you know, work the registration table at the next meeting and you'll yeah. meet more people? That is the kind of thing that they might be receptive to. You know, I am so glad you said that, Amanda, because this probably happens to you. Uh, you join a group. You know, I, I know a lot of us belong to ASAE in our profession because it's kind of our, you know, umbrella organization in a lot of ways. But you join another group and they find out you have a nonprofit management background. And next thing you know, you've been a member like three months or like, do you want to be on the board? And, and my response now to that question is, are you nuts? <laughs> That's just what I say. I just joined. I 
like you just said, I don't know anything about the organization. I don't know any people. I, you know, I'm currently a member of an association for consultants called IMC USA. I have been a member since like July 2020. I have yet to be to go to an in-person event because you know I joined during the lockdown and and then the other uh, schedules didn't mesh with mine. I wasn't able to go, you know, because they usually meet in the fall and just a lot of conflicts. But it's like, I don't know anyone. You're referring to people I've never met as if I know them. Uh, and it's wrong. And it is wrong. And I, and I say that bluntly, folks. It's wrong to ask somebody who's been a member for six months to be on the board. It's just not a good idea uh, for a lot of reasons. They're going to have a bad experience. Your board's not going to function as well because they haven't learned about the organization over time. Now, does that mean I'm one of these people who's like, you've got to pay your dues before you get on a committee? No, I don't mean that at all. But don't push somebody into a position that maybe they're one, not interested in yet, and two, not ready for. And that's why I think a lot of it, and this is tied directly to member engagement, in my opinion, so I'd love to hear your opinion on this, Amanda, but I think volunteer leadership development has to be part of every single organization's plan and strategy. Because if you you have to be thinking about who's going to be on my board in three to five years, not who's on my board now. And I also kind of call this the warm body theory. Like, oh, we just need a warm body on the board. And you might end up with the wrong person at the wrong time mm -hmm. on the board. And so you really have to think about that. All these things come together. They dovetail over time. And that's really something that it might seem like a daunting task, but it, it's it's really not as daunting as you think it is. And it's a better experience for everybody overall. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you that, you know, ha thinking about it in terms of a runway makes all the sense in the world. I, I, you know, and I one of a lot of one of the questions that people ask me all the time is, okay, so we we think we have a member engagement problem, but where do we start? And and I'd like to advocate that that we don't probably we need to think about volunteerism, but let's start at the beginning. So so kind of the formula for lifelong engagement is to engage that that new member super fast. So engage them. You know, they join and then already we're starting to communicate with them. Uh, I like to say within three days to three weeks uh, because their decision to engage with the association happens really, really quickly. We, we can't we can't wait till renewals. We can't even wait till six months. We can't wait until, a, you know, a month after they join. We really need to be start engaging them very, very quickly. So so for me, when I think about engagement, um, it's important that we engage people at every stage. One, one of the things that I did in the book is is I, I took from the research the reasons why people bail out at every stage mm -hmm. and, 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 and turned that around and said, here are, what, here are all the things that you can do to not throw up barriers, to not let people have a bad experience, or to the, the reverse would be to have people have great experiences and get tons of value so they make it to the next stage. And um, but the I, I think the the first thing, the first place to really focus is on that new members. And, and just like I was talking about with the new member um, engagement study, um, you know, focus on those new members. And then once you feel like you got the new member engagement going, then, you know, work through every single stage until until you get to the volunteerism for sure. Well, and I think, you know, I, and that's such an excellent point, Amanda. Thank you for saying that so clearly, because. There are steps we can take and put in place, and it's actually a lot easier than we think it is. Uh, to invite somebody to comment in the in the online community. 
you can say, hey, would you like to be the online community idea generator for this week? Not for the whole month, just for a week. Just, just put in a question like a couple times this week. And that's an easy thing people can do. And, and you're inviting them in. I think one of the things we do as humans is we tend not to invite people we don't know in. And a great example of this is when you go to a reception at a conference. Everybody's talking to the people they already know. Nobody's talking to the guy standing by himself next to the plant. So I like to go over to that person and say, would you like to be alone or would you like to meet people? I have never once had somebody say, I want to be alone. They, they want to meet people. And I bring them over. I said, well, here, meet all these people. And the next thing you know, they're going out for drinks and dinner after the reception. And it's wonderful. And then they're part of it. But we really need to open that door. We need to invite the member in. We need to engage them with an invitation. It's like, if somebody says, hey, why don't you just drop by my house sometime? They're not just going to come by your house. But if you invite them, hey, why don't you come over Saturday at two o'clock and we'll have tea and cookies, they'll come. But they're not just going to, you can't just say, well, here it is, go for it. So your comments about having that plan in place uh, is really important. And, and one of the things I've noticed, uh, I've been seeing people post about online and talk about is there seem to be fewer and fewer volunteer opportunities in associations. And I don't know why that is. I would think we'd want to have more, but have you seen that trend as well? Or am I reading something into this that is inaccurate? I, I believe that the nature of engagement at all levels, whether you're a new member or you're somebody who's ready to speak or you're somebody who wants to do, a, you know, a big volunteering opportunity with a capital V, meaning you, you know, you want to be on a board. Um, I think engagement, the nature of engagement is tapering off on all fronts. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why is because of time. So, so I, I'd love to, you know, know from you, Cecilia, do you, are you just sort of laying around the house eating bonbons or are you super <laughs> crazy, ridiculously busy? Well, when you say, I guess we all have to define super ridiculously crazy busy. I don't know, but no, I, I, while I do once in a while, take an afternoon to eat bonbons. <laughs> I don't do that on a regular basis. I'm usually working, whether I'm in officially engaged in a project or I'm working something else. Uh, when I'm uh, working with clients, I'm focused on my clients. And then, you know, in between that, uh, I'm working on volunteer things. I'm always involved with some level of volunteering and usually keeping myself occupied because, you know, frankly, Amanda, it keeps me off the streets. <laughs> running around out of control no but I but I am yeah 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 and I I think she's being (laughs) modest folks I I I think Cecilia is is busy and I am really busy and I think everybody listening to your podcast is really busy and and in every year you know through the decades and every year we're just busier and busier and busier and so it's very hard for our members to give us their attention let alone uh, start volunteering in little ways or contributing in little ways or even participating in little ways. And, and, and sometimes associations will, will say to me, we can't even get them to read our emails. I, you know, the low, probably the lowest level of engagement is just getting them to read uh, a, a short little five sentence email. And um, so, so yes, I think that the, the nature of engaging is very much changing for associations and, and actually many, many, many types of organizations, even outside of the industry right now. And it, and it comes back to, uh, to 
time um, that that we we don't have enough time to do the things that we want to do in our careers and our lives, let alone or the things that we need to do, let alone all of the things we want to do. And and that that's what makes um, what I hope makes the book really timely because because engagement is very much changing. It really is, you know, and and I obviously was uh, not correctly focusing on the actual question you asked because yes, I am busy most of the time. Yes. So uh, yeah, because uh, like you, I'm a solopreneur, and I don't, you know, I have a part-time uh, contractor who helps me a great deal with many things, uh, but I do a bulk of everything myself. Uh, I'm creating content. I'm running the company. I'm working with clients, but you're right. Then there's the, the rest of life. Uh, I'm against that phrase work-life balance because you only have one life. It's all part of the same life. So figure it out. Uh, but you know, you have to do the laundry and sleep. Our, our life was supposed to be made easier and we were supposed to have more leisure time because of technology. And it's actually had the opposite effect. Mm -hmm. Technology fills our days. Emails. I mean, your point about emails, there's so many emails, there's e-newsletters, there's e-magazines, uh, there's podcasts. Do you want to keep up with the news? You know, the first thing I do every morning is read the news from three different sources. Every morning I read it. I don't watch it. I read it. What's going on? Who's covering what? So just even trying to keep up with what's going on in the world, uh, you have to set aside time for that. So when we're looking at member engagement, how can we make the best use of people's time, I think is the real question. I think the big opportunity for associations, and again, associations are not alone in this. It's, it's not like we're, we're behind or anything because this is a, an issue for many organizations and many, many different industries. Um, so, so I think the big opportunity is that uh, for so long we've been very focused on engagement equals value. Uh, be, because our members are not engaging, it means that we're not communicating our value or we don't have enough value or we need more value or our value is not uh, keeping up with the times or uh, we haven't figured out our value proposition. So, that, so, so I think what I'd love to do is, is, is kind of say yes and. Uh, so my formula for engagement is value plus experience equals engagement. So value speaks to the one side of our brain that's logical. So we have a logical side of the brain and we have an emotional side of the brain. Okay. And, and so when we welcome new members and say, welcome, you know, welcome Cecilia to your new association, by the way, we have uh, 37 member benefits and they're, you know, in this bulleted list, you know, go, go, go off and learn your member benefits. That doesn't work so well because we're appealing to the logical side of the brain. Right. Well, what I'd like, what, what I, where I think the huge opportunity is, is to start appealing to the emotional side of the brain with mm -hmm. experiences. And so let's start thinking about every contact with that we have with our members, whether they're new members, whether they're, you know, three-year members, long-time members. Uh, when we think about engagement, I would love more and more experiences because those experiences are, um, are they're going to activate the emotional side of the brain and they're going to activate memory. So it's very, very interesting. When I do these interviews and I say, what is the value of the association to you? Nine times out of 10, they give me an experience. Oh, you know, a 20 year member will say, 
let me tell you about the first conference that I went to. And I was standing in line, it was so green, but I knew who some of the big players were in the industry. And one of them, I didn't know it at the time, but she was on the board and she was circulating through the registration line and she talked to me. And I was nobody, but she stood there and she talked to me and we couldn't have had more than three sentences, but it made me feel so good that she took an interest. And I, I made this decision right then and there that I was gonna go out during that conference and I was gonna meet as many people as I possibly could. Um, I felt like she sort of gave me permission to, you know, to go out and just talk to people. And some of those people are friends of mine today. So there, you know, that person, that person didn't, they didn't say what I would consider a value thing. They didn't say, oh yeah, there's this piece of research I can't live without. Uh, you know, oh yeah, um, you know, they, uh, you know, it's, it's a, I get, I, I make more money because of the association than I actually put into the association. I didn't get those, I never get those value answers. I always get the experience answers. And so I, I want to, I want for us to lean far more into the experience side. You know, that, that is, I, you know, I totally agree with you. I, mean, I just, I'm just thinking about all my experiences with the different groups I've belonged to over the years, good and bad, uh, mostly good, but it really is about the experiences, people I've met, um, fun times we've had together. Uh, met my friend Margie Valen standing in the lunch line at an MMC conference years ago. So yes, yeah, an experience, very valuable. We're still friends to this day. So that that's really that experience indicator, I guess. And you know, is there a way, Amanda, that we could measure experience? And, and before you answer that, I'm thinking of the country of Bhutan has a happiness index mm -hmm. and they think that's more important than their GMP. Are our people happy? That's what's important to us. So is there a way that we could come up with, or maybe this is your next project, that's your next book idea, um, measuring the member experience? Like, is there a way we can do that? I've got to write that down. I'm, you're the first person that's asked me that particular question. And I, and I love that. I love, I, it, gosh, having a, you know, a, your net promoter score and your engagement scoring, and then have, you know, your, your happiness score or something could be a yeah. really interesting um, measurement. I, I, I have, I haven't created one myself and mm -hmm. I haven't heard of an association doing that. It's really, it's really, really interesting though. Um, I, th I think that when we start to couple, when we start to think not only about what is the need that we're trying to, to solve for, but also how do we want our members to feel, those things coupled together are going to actually uh, impact all of the common metrics that we, that we think of. So, you know, associations measure uh, for emails, opens and clicks, and they're also measuring things like registrations and renewals and retention and, you know, all of that stuff. So my my uh, thought, and, and I actually have, have seen this in action, that when we start coupling those two things, our metrics for everything are just going to start going up. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's really interesting. So I bet you could come up with that. I, th I yeah. think you should pursue that for your next book. What is the membership totally. experience we'll happiness index? We'll Go for that. it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, well, you know, and I think we, I think we uh, are always measuring hard data. And I don't think we spend enough time measuring the soft data. And that's qualitative versus quantitative. 
you know, how many people opened the email? How many people read the email? Well, how many people had a good fuzzy feeling from that email? Uh, and how do you capture that? Well, you have to talk to people and you have to actually talk to them. It's, it's funny, you know, one of the things that has changed a lot, especially with, uh, I'm going to say post-millennial generations, is they don't seem to like to talk on the telephone. So how can you actually engage with them in a meaningful way where they can hear the tone of your voice and hear, hear the um, real intent, you know, that you can lose in just hard copy? Like if you send someone a text or you send someone an email, they can take it the wrong way. So I think trying to figure that out too, trying to build a unique member engagement is really the challenge because each individual belongs to a different association. Mm -hmm. And people hate it when I say that because they're like, but what about our value proposition? Well, I'm sorry, folks, everyone has a different value proposition for your association and they belong to a different association because they all experience it differently. So I'm sure Amanda has some good thoughts on this, but it's been my experience that if you're a highly engaged volunteer, you're probably having a really good, deep, getting a lot out of it experience as opposed to somebody who's maybe just kind of a newer member, doesn't really know anyone, maybe they're reading the emails, maybe they come to an event, but nobody talks to them. So they come away with a bad feeling like this is just a click. We've all heard that one before too. So how can we not be a click and how can we create that unique experience? Yeah. So, so many answers for you then we, we're not <laughs> going to have time to delve into them today. Um, but, but just a, a couple of things off the top of my head is I love, um, I love to focus on first impressions. So, so if we, if we think about a new member as being the most important person to start engaging in your association, then think about every single one of their first impressions. The first time that they go to your homepage, the first time that they get an email from you, uh, the first time you might le reach out to them on the phone, the first time that they come to say maybe a virtual onboarding event. And there's all kinds of little experiential things that we can start to imbue into that. Um, so, so instead of a receipt for the first email that they get from you, they get something that's warm and welcoming and wonderful. And this will help them kind of, you know, realize that your emails are worth reading. Uh, we don't want, uh, you know, members to start ignoring our emails. So make that first email, that second email, the third email, super, super warm, inviting, uh, you know, perhaps some value, perhaps it's just, you know, the experience part of things for say, um, say like first impressions. So the first time that a new member or anybody in your association, the, the first time a member is coming to uh, an on a, a virtual uh, event. Mm -hmm. A lot of what happens is, um, as you see, you know, all of the zoom squares of the panelists or the speakers, and they're sort of hanging out there silently. And the, you know, the attendees come in and they see people hanging out silently and the person's checking their keyboard and they just start saying like, hey, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, I'm from, uh, you know, Madrid, Spain. And, and there, but, but that can be made into an experience. So you could have chat ambassadors welcoming people by name, asking questions. Uh, the, the speaker could be taking that time before their official start to do something that I call an unofficial start. So could they just be 
you know, talking to the attendees saying, oh, I see Scott, you know, that just logged in. Scott and I go way back, you know, oh, I just saw somebody from my hometown. So, you know, so excited to see, you know, you here, Cecilia, I'm from Silver Springs too. I'm not actually, but, you know, that's an example of, <laughs> Of, of the kind of thing that can happen that, you know, it's super, super easy, doesn't cost anything, doesn't take a lot of time, but it's just that, um, that kind of experience first sort of mindset uh, that we can adopt that will make all of the difference. You know, and, and that is such a great idea. I love the chat ambassador idea because I, you, you see people do different things in chat, like chat storm. Well, the chat storm's fun, but it's hard to read it all and then engage with people. Uh, I do really love an active chat, though. So I love the idea of chat ambassadors, especially to kind of bring in the newer people. But uh, as we're, oh my gosh, as we're getting uh, near the end of our episode, I did have one other question for you. How do you keep current members engaged? Mm -hmm. I think it depends at the stage that they're at. You know, some some current members, they're super happy just to dip their toe in and participate a teeny bit some members are they're they're just dying to write or speak or you know or teach or you know something like that and and so so it, it's really you know meeting people where they are one another thing that i heard in the research is i hate it when the association is trying to move me through the member journey faster than i want to go but oh. I also, um, you know, really as a member dislike it when I bump up against the glass ceiling. Mm. I've been I've been really ready uh, to speak at a conference and I'm always turned down. I, I don't know why. Could could somebody maybe help me with my title and description or topic? Because, uh, you know, I, I'm a first timer and, and I would love to know why. And so those are the kinds of things that I hear from members all of the time that Sometimes we rush them, sometimes we don't help them do what they want to do enough. And so again, it's just, it's all about being super flexible and trying to meet them where they are and giving people just lots of opportunities, whether they're, you know, some of the big traditional stuff we used to do, or may maybe it's little, little stuff. And maybe, maybe we start having, uh, you know, we're, you were talking about the plan, the, the progression towards leadership or volunteerism with a capital v but but what about speakers uh you know do we you know without a call for proposals do we just you know do we let people do a, a three minute video or a five minute video and then slowly like we see what they're all about and and help them take on bigger and bigger opportunities so there's you know there's there's lots and lots of things that we can do that not only help members engage but help grow that body of knowledge and that feeling of collaboration among the members themselves. See, this is so refreshing, Amanda, because you're just finding solutions, which I love because that's what I do. I find solutions and so many people put up obstacles. Well, we can't because you, you just said, let a, let a member do a three minute video and share it on your YouTube channel. Why not? You know, you can always read it, you know, watch it first and make sure it's okay. And give them a little coaching if they need it. I, you know, Amanda, this has been great. I mean, we could probably go on for another hour and a half I, with all these wonderful ideas. I love that you bring solutions and options and opportunities and not obstacles. So everyone buy her book and read it. It's it's really easy read. And she did the artwork herself. So <laughs> I just love it. So Amanda, at the end of every episode, I like to ask my guests to share one thought you'd like the audience to take away today. And then how can they get in touch with you if they want to learn more? 
Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about experiences that I'd love for everybody to start leaning into experiences. And it's something that you can do yourself. It's something that you can do with your team. It's something you can do with your whole organization. One of the things that I do is I, I have assigned myself what I call my everyday homework. So when I'm out in life and and going through toll booths and going grocery shopping and I'm at restaurants or checking into a hotel because I do a lot of professional speaking uh, or on airplanes, I'll notice really good and really bad experiences. And then I, I, I would kind of record them mentally. Sometimes I actually put them on my phone in my notes and think about them later about, and it gives me fodder for what I wanna do in my own business, but also ideas that I might wanna recommend to my clients or, or folks that I'm speaking to. So I love the everyday homework idea, just out in your life, um, record your experiences. What, you know, did, did you have a really interesting experience with somebody who was checking you out at a grocery store? What about the person who seated you or the wait staff or even the bus boy, you know, just, just kind of record your experiences. And if something really grabs you, that's so wonderful. Think about if there's the corollary to your organization. Oh, and, and how you can reach me, right? So yes. how, you, how you can find me is, um, I my website is Amanda Lee Kaiser, and, and it's uh, L, my middle name is L-E-A, and my last name is Kaiser, Kaiser like the role. And um, so you can find me at Amanda Lee Kaiser, you can find my book uh, at all on all of the online retailers, uh, online book retailers, so Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, but also a lot of retailers all over the world. So uh, it's an elevating engagement and, um, and I, I, I hope to see you there. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Amanda. And yes, everyone, this is going to publish officially February 14th, but I'm sure you can pre-order it. And again, Amanda's book is Elevating Engagement, Uncommon Strategies for Creating a Thriving Member Community. So thank you, Amanda, for joining me this week. Uh, Everyone, uh, thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. Uh, please remember to subscribe so you don't miss an exciting episode. If you'd like to learn more about Rogue Tulips Consulting and how we can help you bloom outside the box, you can check out our website at roguetulips.com. If you are a current CAE or a CAE candidate, or you just like to learn, we have an education program called the 501C League, and you can learn more about our course catalog for 2023 at that website, the501cleague.net. You can download our course catalog for the entire year. So we hope that you take a few minutes and do that and share it with your friends. So on behalf of myself and Amanda, thanks for joining us this week and we'll see you next time.